0: People buy houses every day. No big deal to the bank, but buying my first home? That was a big deal to me. That's why I got my mortgage from DCU. They were with me every step of the way. I was able to get a great rate, and they'll service my loan for as long as I have it. Plus, they let me manage my mortgage online, anytime. My mortgage from DCU was the first step, and now, I'm home. What will DCU mean to you? Insured by NCUA and MLS number 466914. Equal housing lender. Membership required. Visit dcu.org. Worcester Culture Watch. A podcast connecting you with the local culture scene in Worcester. Arts, entertainment, music, and more.
1: Worcester Culture Watch. From the Worcester Telegram and Gazette.
2: Hello and welcome to Worcester Culture Watch on telegram.com and WisterMag.com and Unity Radio ninety-seven point nine, the voice of Wister. I I don't actually know if it's the voice of Wister for real, but it's getting pretty close. It's the a voice weird voice. Yeah. It's a weird discordant voice well, and, and that's Wister.
0: Wister is weird and discordant.
2: It's true. Yeah. You know, we have you know, we have, when it appears is preceded by a really, really wonderful sort of meditative show by africa sonata i i apologize if i'm butchering her name i butcher everybody's name on this thing and um it's lovely it's this nice peaceful lead in and then there's us (laughs) (laughs) but anyways um, i'm victor infante entertainment editor for the telegram and gazette and uh, content editor for worcester magazine and i am joined in the studio as i often am by by worcester magazine reporter bill shaner how are you today bill Oh, I'm doing just fine. I am not doing as well today because my candidate has has, as of a few minutes ago, left the election. Yes, she did, and I knew it was coming. Yeah. I knew it was coming. You know, it's just the world was not ready for this war. This
0: is going to be a fun conversation because it couldn't have happened soon enough, in my opinion.
2: And and that's fair. That's fair. I, I don't know. I. I I, I don't really want to go too deep into the weeds of the why I supported Warren over Bernie. Sure. I did vote for Bernie last election last right. cycle in the primary. Um, this time around, I've just been wait- One, I had kind of got into this primary election, and this is my personal place, not voting for a white man right in the primary i i kind of made that decision i saw my options going thinner and thinner as it went which is kind of a reflect <laughs> says something about this country's politics
0: oh yeah well i mean the united states is a uniquely sexist place yeah it's uniquely it really sexless, is sexist and right wing and um you know increasingly dystopian yeah there, there
2: there's something to be said for that argument i really can't argue against that right now yeah <laughs>
0: but um yeah and
2: you know it's like and Elizabeth Warren, I have been a fan of since before she was a senator. Mm-hmm. I was actually f- back bef- when she was fighting to found the cons- consumer uh, protection bureau. Right, right. And when she was on the tarp committee and with the one of my favorite moments in all of politics when she was like Michael Moore put her on camera and said and asked her it's like well, how do they have, do the banks have to repay money, repay this money? And she just looked at the camera and said, I have no idea. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> because right. there was no plan. Right. And they right. never did. Yeah. At least to the best of my knowledge is. Right. So after that, because of her, when we put the auto, the same thing through the auto industry mm-hmm. there was a payment plan <laughs> at yeah. the end of it. and all that money got paid back with interest right 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 quickly yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> elizabeth, elizabeth Warren, uh, a very smart confident regulator
2: yeah and th- there's something to be said for that and I, mm-hmm. I i and i am a person who likes wonks right right i i and i think the i don't know it's like I don't necessarily think the presidency is a place for an activist, even though i like Bernie as an activist.
0: Yeah, well, uh, that's where we disagree. Mm -hmm. Because I, yeah, uh, I think that what the presidency needs right now very much is an activist. Uh, I think that if there's any chance of restoring any semblance of left-wing power in our lifetime, it has to come with uh, the tip of the spear has to be an activist president. That sort of cleans house, destroys a few things in Washington. Uh, makes things really bad for the people in power there mm. and then we can sort of sort of rebuild and have an, a Democratic Party that actually has the interest of working people in mind the Democratic Party needs to be drastically reshaped I mean uh, the the fact that we're looking at you know Joe Biden D MasterCard over here as being the um, <laughs> as being the, the nominee is is frankly depressing and it should be depressing for Elizabeth Warren supporters as well as Bernie Sanders reporters uh, and it, it's not over uh, the the, the primary is not over. no no uh, in fact,
2: actually I don't think I think now Michigan will decide decide at least most of the what's the future here right right And that's Michigan is really interesting because it is a place where both candidates have done well in the past right Traditionally, they. yeah um, you know it was a it was a Bernie it went it was a strong struggle for Bernie Sanders. Um, in the last election, when Biden has run in the past, he's done well in Michigan, and he was actually one of the reasons that things that helped deliver it for Obama. Mm-hmm. Um, he's always played well in the Rust Belt. Right. Always, always has played well, and he's a Pennsylvania guy, and he's yeah. that, you know, originally. And that, you know, so that's, that's, those are things in his favor in the ele- electorally speaking. Also, um, he's, Biden has been playing well with black voters. Right, as opposed, you know, where and this is the I've never seen the split in a democratic in a democratic primary before, where Biden is playing well with black voters and Sanders is playing well with Latino voters. Mm-hmm. I've never seen them on the opposite sides of a primary before. Right, right.
0: It is interesting. I,
2: I've, that's, I, that's nobody's talking about that. Yeah. It's weird.
0: My, my, one hope here uh, is that sort of like you know. There's there's people like us who pay attention, and there's people who don't pay attention. Yeah. And for the people who don't pay attention, I think that the message that they're getting uh, out of the media and the way that Joe Biden brands himself is like that guy who's sort of like Obama. <laughs> Remember Obama? But then you listen to him talk, and you look at his record for one second. Like honestly, name name a name a name a Biden policy. Twenty twenty Biden policy off the top of your head without googling it.
2: Oh God, I'd have to think about it for a second. You, you can't. You yeah. can't.
0: He doesn't. He, his, and then, his his politics are not. A, a, there's no theory of change there. No, there's there's not.
2: A, there has not been since the early 70s. Yeah, there's
0: there's nothing. There's nothing. There. And he can barely articulate himself. So I think that now that the spotlight's going to be on him as the as the sort of Democratic establishment pushes him as a front runner, it's going to be a very different play than just being able to sit back uh, while the attention is focused on, you know, somewhat artificial feuds between Warren and Sanders. And he just gets to look like the, you know, the centrist guy who's just there you know, waiting in the wings. Now it's uh, he's going to have to talk in front of people, and it's not going to go well for him. Well, Then again... He, he won cons- Massachusetts without s- ever setting foot in Massachusetts yeah. because of the media narrative uh, and the fact that the rest of the candidates consolidated around him, and that's part of the reason why I'm kind of upset with Elizabeth Warren because she had the chance to do the same thing for Bernie Sanders well, and really and- shore and- up the, the left wing of the party. She didn't do it. Uh, and... and- and admittedly she, there's a there's a few
2: points there that need to be unpacked there because that is that is monday morning quarterbacking a little bit oh for sure yeah uh, yeah because she did have a shot in lots of those super tuesday states it did not work, and that that last minute play, that last minute Republican play. Re, I mean, that Repu- Oh man, I that slipped that wrong. But anyway, well, that, you're
0: not you're not too far <laughs> off.
2: <laughs> well, we say that. Yeah, you know, we like to say that, but then when we see like what the Repu- Republicans in office actually do, there's a difference. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right now, and 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 we'll get to that in a second. But um, but yeah, I, the other side of this is, I don't know. At this point, what she wants now, I think it was worth it for to take the gamble on Super Tuesday. Okay, didn't pay
0: off. Okay,
2: um, it ended this run. It, it did. For yeah, her. but she she was still in with the fought in with the shot. Sure, whatever. <laughs> you know, like most of the dele- <laughs> It's true. Most of the delegates are were still at that point. were still on the table. Yeah, and. When I the, the real question is: What does she want now? Um, she can endorse Bernie; that's fine. I, I would think that'd be sensible. I doubt she'll endorse Biden, but I understand that too. The thing I would actually get: I what I think she wants, and what nobody's really talking about, because everybody's most people angle for positions mm-hmm. after after the, in in favor in to trade for their endorsements. Yeah. What I think is going to happen is I think she and she's going to do what Bernie did last time, which is make a play to have influence on the platform committee, right? And I'm fine with that because if there, you want yeah, anybody guiding, if you want anybody guiding policy, it's going to be her.
0: Yeah, that's a great position for her, especially uh, in regards to. Um, uh, regulations and other technocratic matters. Well, she's, she's a plus on that stuff. Yeah. And, and, and in terms of movement politics and leadership, I would say less so, but she is very smart. Yeah. Very capable in shaping policy. And, a and people.
2: that was, I mean, and like I said, I'm a wonk. Yeah. <laughs> we all know I'm a policy wonk. Right. Right. And that was what appealed to me. But yeah, if that's, if, if this debacle puts her in that position. Yeah. Help shape that, then I think that's interesting,
0: right? So, so, and I wrote about this in Wisteria, uh, and I think that one of the main differences between uh, Sanders and Warren that often gets lost in the way that we talk about it in in the in the media is that Bernie Sanders is a movement movement politics guy. Mm-hmm. He is, and uh, in, in he in and in the opposition tries to attack him as being light on details, uh, as opposed, but what he's actually doing is he's framing the conversation in a way that promotes a certain agenda and rallies people around that agenda. And you saw that in Worcester Mm -hmm. this weekend. 300 people were out there knocking doors for Bernie in Worcester, and they had three or four successive nights of, like, Parties for organizers, which admittedly
2: I thought I did not find out about those things until absolute last minute. Because they're just
0: for organizers; they're not they're they aren't they they are not they are not campaign funding events or anything. It's just the organizers putting on events for themselves. And Susan Sarandon was there. there. Yep. H. John Benjamin returned to Worcester. And I hear that
2: was packed, overflowing.
0: Yeah, H. John Benjamin returned to Worcester for and and the fact that that wasn't like something that the the press even around here really picked up on is kind of indicative of the way that this well, is. They- Nobody knew. Yeah, this is a, a self-contained movement, uh, and it's intentionally so. It's not relying on the same, uh, you know, uh, media strategies as a traditional campaign. It really is a grassroots movement mm. uh, bent on door-to-door uh, community organizing, and I think that that is the the thing that makes Bernie such a unique and special candidate. And he, you'll never ever hear this ever get talked about. At all in any press coverage he gets, it, you'll never hear people talk about the fact that he's actually building a movement because they're treating him as a like a sort of uh, a, a media personality, which is the way we've been trained to, to treat every candidate. So people, sure. people will talk about like, oh, he always just says the same stuff. Oh, He's just a grumpy old white man. And you know the fact that he's Jewish really never gets brought up, uh, which is kind of weird. Anyway, but like so, so our our way of framing candidates is sort of like on on I- identity politics, uh, and the way that their personalities play on TV, mm-hmm. which I think is a really uh, is just the polar opposite way of how Bernie has. Chosen to organize his campaign, and that, that's the fact, that, and and that leads to him not really getting TV moments, right. which is supremely powerful. Like Joe Biden got a TV moment out of South Carolina, and it led him to just completely dominate on on um, uh, Super Tuesday because. It, that's just how our politics have been. That's why Trump won. That's why Trump beats Biden a hundred times out of a hundred times. Cause he's so much better at that than Biden is. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that the only chance we have of getting him out of there, because Trump is absolutely the master of manipulating TV cycles and playing the, the identity politics and the, 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 the personality game, the TV personality game. He's the absolute master of that. He has to be handed credit for that time and time again. That's absolutely his strength. The only way to do that is to, to try a different way, uh, to try the the door to door community organizing, creating a giant movement of actual people actually turning out the votes in their community. Uh, that's the only way we're gonna beat him. We cannot beat him uh, based on the the TV because he's gonna win TV. Every well, time. And,
2: and but I mean he's also he's also got to drive turnout, and that's that has been a problem for him this this.
0: Okay, so that <laughs>
2: <laughs> that has the.
0: What? But but we're using the metric of like a like we're we're talking about a primary, like we're uh-huh. using like low low turnout in a primary is not the same thing as low turnout in a general election.
2: Yeah, but yeah, if you've got if you if if part of your argument is that you are going to drive turn young young voter turnout, which it's not would even switch the,
0: would would change the dynamic. But that's not even what I was saying. I didn't say anything no, about but, young people.
2: But that is the narrative that comes out of that, right?
0: Well, it's the narrative that's being created. It's the narrative that's being relied upon.
2: It's the narrative that's not showing up in a, at all. I mean, it's it's been – he won Worcester.
0: Oh, yeah. He won a every lot. he won every urban community in Massachusetts. The mm-hmm. ones that he lost were the wealthy suburbs, which are going to go Republican e- anyway, either way. So, yeah. so if you want to even look at it on that way, if you want to break it down, the places that he won in Massachusetts are the places that Democrats are going to win in Massachusetts. The places that he lost are the places that Republicans are going to win. Fair. Fair. Biden, Biden won all the places Republicans are going to win. The, it's just like he's going to – Biden is going to lose. If I, Biden is the nominee, he's going to lose. I actually – I'm not convinced of that yet. Oh, I'm so convinced of it. I am. Can you imagine a TV debate between Biden and Trump? It's going to be an exercise in data. Oh, it is going to – it's going to send me into like a severe depression. <laughs> um, So I hope it does not come to that point. I think Bernie sells a shot. I think – Yep. Well, I mean a
2: lot of it – a lot depends on Michigan now. Yeah. And, and like the, I said, that is the, one that can go. That is
0: one that we're now scheduled for a a live TV debate uh, on March fifteenth, mm-hmm. and it's going to be between Biden and Bernie. And that's just not that, fair. That's not fair. That that, that is going to be bloodshed.
2: That really is. But oh, it, I, it's man. actually going to be nice though to see them without,
0: right? But
2: without the
0: there's so much in Biden's record to attack. That is, he's done so many things that have that are just appalling to the average Democratic voter. Yeah, it's going to be bloodshed. It's going to be absolute bloodshed, and I'm so excited for it. Well, Uh,
2: and that might change the dynamic. There's still there's still enough delegates out there to change.
0: Yeah, I mean, everyone wants to kind of like throw in the towel right now, but the the delegate count is something like. Biden has like 490, and Bernie has like 430. Yeah, in a race to a 1,991 majority. Like, we're this is so far from being over. It's it's kind of weird how the narrative has been like, oh well, Biden's going to win now. It's kind of kind of strange.
2: Well, it's like a few weeks ago they were doing, well, Bernie's going to win now.
0: Yeah, <laughs> that,
2: it's it's it, you'd think they'd be more invested in the horse race as opposed to getting it over. I think this election has dragged on too long.
0: Yeah, already. And it's not even close to over.
2: Yeah, Yeah, this this primary. There were too many people in the race. They were far, it started way too early. We've had way too many debates.
0: Right. The primary is going to drag on for a long, long time. Yeah. And then the general election is going to be probably just. I will say utter depression the entire time. I will say Democrats traditionally
2: traditionally do better after a hard fought primary. Yeah, that's. I mean, statistically, that's where it is. Now, the the one that is an exception is the one that is an exception to every rule, which was two thousand you know, sixteen. Or, yeah, I mean, <laughs> because that made that 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 took the rule book and threw it out.
0: Yeah, and I think the rule book is forever thrown out.
1: Yeah.
2: So I I have no idea exactly what's going to happen, which is why I'm trying to not predict the future. Yeah. You know, but there if, are things if, I know that are true.
0: But. I, j- I joked on Twitter that if uh, Biden ends up being the nominee, uh, I will take out a $3,000 bet on him losing and give myself my own Andrew Yang style universal basic income for the rest of the year. <laughs> after that, I'll just pay myself out a thousand bucks a month. Yeah. Oh man. Because absolutely 100 times out of 100 time, Trump smokes Joe Biden. He's, he's just going to call him senile Joe and then it's over. The whole thing's over. Yeah. Well, there there is there are some statistics that need that that
2: make that put that into doubt. I mean, at the end of the day, to to change the 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 map from last the last election, you just need to shift seventy thousand voters in three states.
0: Right. You need to step foot in Wisconsin once.
2: Yeah. yeah. And again, the the area that is most in play is the one where he is the most pop, where Biden is the most popular.
0: Right. and this
2: is not a th- this is not an inconsiderable fact
0: right right yeah no, <laughs> i mean sure
2: yeah i mean i'm not saying i mean they're good i mean trump is the trump of now is not the trump of 2016 either he's been falling apart
0: uh yeah has he? have has you heard he? the man
2: talk all he like has he? Have you? T- uh, okay, okay. The thing at CPAC was actually pretty funny with him do- imitating uh, Mark Mike Bloomberg. That,
0: see, that's the kind of stuff. That's the kind of stuff <laughs> but, that the electorate is just gonna love. I don't know, man. I don't think. I think they're both. I think they are. I, I don't. Well, you also have to take into consideration is that for a lot of people, especially the people that don't pay attention, is that it's white noise now. Yeah. To say that Trump is sexist, racist, oh, it xenophobic. Is. All of those things are absolutely demonstrably true, mm-hmm. uh, and he, is, he would be a fascist if he were competent enough, but that, it, we, we, we've been hammering on that for so long that it's white noise, and the absolute failure of the Russiagate thing to affect any real change is going to work against the Democrats mm. 100%. Bernie, not a Democrat, didn't really get involved in the Russiagate thing. Huge plus.
2: That, is, that actually is yeah that actually because
0: the, the the Russiagate thing was an absolute political failure, and there's no way to frame it otherwise in my opinion so because uh, you're going you be like, oh, he was impeached, but it, it didn't it didn't rob him of any power it didn't shore up any uh, any sort of real resistance to him. He only benefited from it politically in my opinion
2: uh, yeah um the um, his popularity ratings have remained flat through that whole thing. They have barely yeah. dodged.
0: Right, right.
2: Um, that being said, his popularity ratings have never once, and this is unique in modern history, never once risen above fifty percent. <laughs> right. Oh, he's <laughs> never as high as forty nine.
0: Yeah, right.
2: right. <laughs> so, no, you know, he's never
0: Yeah. He's he, He's he, always gonna be a foil like heel type president.
2: Yeah, I mean, the fact that he is such a base, the fact that he is such a statistical anomaly makes everything. Mm -hmm. I mean, throw personality out. Yeah. Throw everything else out. Just looking at him from a purely statistical point, the fact that he is such an anomaly in and of itself changes every factor in the race and makes it completely unpredictable from now on
0: out. And he's also done more, probably unconsciously, than any candidate ever has to completely erase any aspect of politics besides the media spectacle consent manufacturing engine. He, yeah. he has forever changed the dynamic. And that's why I'm so happy that Mike Bloom, Elizabeth Warren killed Mike Bloomberg. <laughs> yes, She did. <laughs> she murdered Mike Bloomberg and she and, deserves eternal praise for this. <laughs> I'm so happy that he is not considered he's out. He's, yeah. He's out. And I'm so happy about that because if it, if it ended up being Bloomberg versus Trump, we just never get it back. It's just it's it's a media spectacle and that's it for the rest of our lives. Yeah. So now we have a chance for that not to be. And who's not a, who's not a media spectacle candidate? Who has no interest in playing the media game? Bernie Sanders. There we are. So I don't know. I think that I think that, that that's the that the most sensible case for Democrats is to you know sort of swallow your pride, forget about electability as a concept. And well, we should
2: that electability has always been a ridiculous concept because the right. most, because the most electable Candidates at the beginning of each turn for both both parties has never really done the best. It doesn't mean anything. Once in on a blue moon they win, but not always. Like a, electability a
0: is just like the the median of pundit opinions. Well, there's this this there's this weird myth
2: that moderate or centrist actually means something. Yeah, it doesn't. It really doesn't. And what it's what happens is there is we as a culture. I basically, agree that compromise is a good thing, right? I'll, and I'm sure I'm all in favor of compromise. You know, if somebody if I'm in an attractable situation with somebody, I I, I compromise with my coworkers all the time. But <laughs> that's not what's happened. What a centrist means? No, they are not. They are not. They are not deal makers. They're by by definition. Some of them are, but what they are is they, depending on the politician, they are. Skewed from the model of left or right, but some of them are, for instance, Amy Klobuchar, where you're very conservative on defense, you're very conservative uh, uh, in fiscal matters, and you're socially liberal on other things. Right, That's the Bill right. Will mo- model. Yeah. It's fine, but not all of them are even that. Sometimes it's even, you know, it's, it's a completely different combination of factors. And Right. It, so you're, you're. We try to talk to them, uh, talk about moderates as if it's a block, but they, when you pick it away, they don't all want the same things. So you can't really depend on that.
0: I think one of the smartest things that Bernie's done, and no one's really talked about that, is he sort of reframed the conversation about moderates to more mean: Are you a steward of corporate power? or are you looking out for working people mm. and that he sort of reframed the discussion with ha- always hammering on billionaires hammering on billionaires hammering on billionaires for for every day he's he's going out railing against billionaires and then making the case that there are some politicians that do whatever they can to help this class of people and then there are other politicians who help you and i think that's a much better way of framing power and political dynamics it's, it than, is, actually. than whether or not you're going to reach across the aisle and get stuff done. Because I don't want you getting stuff done if it's bad stuff. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> I, like that's, that has never resonated with me at all. Uh, the, the, uh, the argument that we need someone who's going to get stuff done. Cause what are you getting done? Mm. You know, are you going to just transfer, you're going to more effectively transfer wealth upwards? You're gonna make it harder for people to get healthcare. Like, what kind what kind of stuff are you gonna get done? And that's what that's where Joe Biden has a really, really disastrous record uh, that can be attacked time and time again. Oh yeah, because he's he has actively his entire political career been a steward of corporate power and has passed the sort of things that have fleeced the the working people. So I, I think that that's gonna be something that Trump could even hammer him on, even though Trump. Obviously, hypocritically, I mean, he passed like oh, the, well, the the That's, tax code thing, like yeah, that goes with that saying. Hypocrisy's <laughs> dead, but he will have a case to make for you know the 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 Trumpers in Middle America who have seen their quality of life decline drastically over the past thirty years, whereas Bernie Sanders has a much better case for them, a much more resonant one. Yeah. Like th- these, these are the enemy. These are the people that have robbed you of your quality of life. Joe Biden cannot make that case because he has been an active steward of those people for his entire political career. Mm. Well, we'll see what
2: happens. <laughs> we'll see what happens.
0: I, Oh man, if, if, if Biden is the nominee, I just, it's gonna be so depressing. It's going to be, it's going to be like six months of just abject misery for me personally ah anyway. uh, <laughs> it's gonna be so the, bad. we
2: could do trust me we could do a lot worse than biden we, it could have been bloomberg <laughs> true, true but at the very least we have learned that that we have learned that bernie sanders throws the best party in politics
0: yes he does and you saw it in worcester and you're I, gonna keep I, seeing it which is funny um
2: i was actually looking at the um show at electric haze i was talking to a reporter that was there earlier to see Susan Sarandon. Mm-hmm. And they were depressed that, like, there was nobody there. Oh, there, okay. There was like 30 people there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because nobody knew that Susan Sarandon was going to yeah, be there right, at, right. At, at eight o'clock. Yeah. After
0: 10 o'clock. It was a Sunday, too.
2: Yeah. But after 10 o'clock, when the show, when the actual music, like, Goes to the Machine and d- Death Over Simplicity and the yeah. uh, Messiah Gary and the other acts came on, the place was packed and the story got written up in Vice. that that show got written up in vice magazine right right about as an example of the bernie sanders party yeah and i it it is one of those things where it just made me wonder it's like if you are looking if you come in at eight o'clock to electric k's and you see basically nobody yeah and susan sarandon not not talking. Yeah, right. Because Susan Sarandon didn't actually even speak until later. At first, she wasn't even going to speak. It was just going to be kind of a meet and greet. Yeah, right, right. great thing. Yeah. Um. And there was also confusion earlier in the day that Bernie was going to be in Worcester, and that that oh no that was that never that, true. that came out of their that came out of their campaign. And um, yeah, there somebody really, somebody messed up. That was somebody never messed true. up really bad. Yeah, yeah. Um but um yeah what ha- it's a, but if you from a perspective and I think sometimes people need to be very careful of where they're looking from that would look like a disaster if you walked in there at 8 yeah and as opposed to if you had walked in there at 10
0: right right
2: you've got two completely different worlds going on and it's really it's just a matter of I think the press sometimes is not necessarily always cognizant of where it's observing from right and I think that is the thing with both Bernie and and Biden that and really Trump really though I think everybody's kind of made up their mind on Trump <laughs> where they are, but um but yeah I think I think it is like it is definitely worthwhile to be cognizant of where where you are observing from because right, right. otherwise you fall you fall victim to confirmation bias.
0: Yeah, that's always something you got to watch out for. Yeah. Confirmation bias is real. All
2: right. That's enough politics for now. We're going to wrap up this section. We're going to play a little Big John short, and we'll be back in a few.
3: Blackson River Road here like a law. Blackstone River used to roll it just like a law Got me worried now, yeah I won't be worried long yeah. Oh, I think I hear that p and moan But I heard that Providence was Worcester moan Moan just like mine is getting on board Late last night when everything was still Late last night, yeah when every little thing was still, yeah I seen my baby on Vernon Hill hollers like a mountain jack I could holler, baby, like a mountain jack, yeah Climb that mountain here for my baby bed This morning, yeah, and I hear them blues three ways. It's up this morning, yeah, and I hear them blues three different ways, yeah. Mine's to leave here, yeah, only once it stays. think I hear that P and W moan. Thought I heard that Providence and Wisdom moan, yeah. Mown just like my, my beam is getting on board. Mown just like my, my beam is getting on board. Yeah. Just like my, my beam is getting on board.
2: And we're back. You have been listening to PNW Moan by Big John Short. That's on. John's new album, Short Plays Long, you can read my review of that in Worcester Magazine this week. We have banished talk of politics from the studio for a while, well, at least American politics. (laughs) And we are joined now by entertainment reporter Richard Duckett. How are you today, Richard?
1: I'm fine, thanks,
2: Victor. Excellent. And you've got a story on the cover of Worcester Magazine about um, a little Irish music coming to the city of Worcester. (laughs)
1: Well, we are now in the month of March, and of course, March 17th is St. Patrick's Day, and Worcester, which has a large uh, Irish-American population, um, always sees a lot of um, Irish performers or Irish music um, coming to the city in the month of March um, with St. Patrick's Day in mind, Um, and this month is... This year is no exception. Um, There are some big names coming, including um, Derek Warfield and the Young Wolftones, who are going to be performing uh, March 13th at the Worcester Hibernian Cultural Centre. They were there uh, a year ago. And um, Derek Warfield um, is a veteran uh, Irish Traditional music uh, singer. He's also a historian. He's very knowledgeable. Um, And he's an original member of the Wolf Tones, who were founded in 1963 and um, pretty famous um, both in Ireland and uh, over here in some quarters. uh they had songs, they made famous songs such as A Nation Once Again and um uh, as that would imply were a bit of a rebel band uh, in the sixties and seventies. Um and um he, Derek Wolford was was a co founder, um the wolf the original Wolf tones are still still around but uh, Derek Wolffield um then went on to form the Young Wolf tones um mm. which includes himself and the, and, and uh, a lot of younger Irish uh, musicians and uh, uh he tours pretty extensively um and of course, um, March, as he said uh, in an interview in the story, um, for an Irish band like ourselves, it's Christmas time.
2: And definitely, you know, and you just really just have to look around the calendar to see how many Irish flavored events are 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 populating the musical landscape around here. What are a few? What are a few? Yeah, interesting well, ones?
1: yeah. I mean, Emmett Cahill, who's. Um, uh, Irish tenor and a member of Celtic Funder. He's going to be here um, uh, at the uh, March 11th in Clinton, actually. He's been in Worcester before. He'll, he'll be at Clinton Town Hall. Um, later on in the month, there's Celtic Woman coming to the Hanover Theatre. Uh, also um, on March 12th at the Hanover Theatre, um, is the what's become the annual um, St. Patrick's Day Celtic Sojourn with um, Brian O'Donovan. Mm-hmm. Brian O'Donovan is uh, the host of a WGBH radio program, um, uh, weekly program devoted to Celtic music. Uh, he's from Ireland himself, and uh, he's been bringing that show to the Hanover Theater now for uh, several years. And and there are also lots of uh, local. Bands performing um, around and about, including um, Band Without a Name, uh, which is going to be March 7th for Apple Tree Arts. And uh, uh, so um, I interviewed um, Brendan Keenan, who's a multi instrumentalist um, from Worcester. Um, He's actually going to be appearing with the with Derek Woolfield and the young wolf tones when they're here um, um, and and anyway Brendan Keenan said you know that um, in terms of traditional Irish Irish music there are things going on every month of the year um, I mean he has a day job uh, don't but you know, let's not say it's a full-time professional gig um, uh, even Derek Woolfield said that uh, he uh, he has he has a following, but not tens of thousands of yeah. people. Um, but I think um, in the case of Ireland and um, Irish history, there are so many people who left the country over the years, whether for um, whether because of calamity like the uh, Irish Potato Famine, um, or just to seek a better life. Um, but there is a, all over the world. Um, There's there's a population of people of Irish heritage that um, probably doubles or triples the actual population of Ireland itself. It it does, it Um, does,
2: and actually New England actually mm -hmm. is a larger Boston has more Irish than Dublin (laughs) at this point.
1: Well, um, yeah, that was the that was the
2: numbers (laughs) from like ten years ago though. So
1: yeah, well, I mean, certainly, um, certainly in 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 the United States. Uh, St. Patrick's Day is uh, a, a bigger deal here oh, yes. uh, than it is in Dublin, um, surprisingly enough. Um, and, um, of course, Worcester has its annual St. Patrick's Day parade. Which and that is, is going
2: to be on the 15th this year. It's
1: yes, scheduled for the 15th. Um, which is a Sunday, it's, yeah, as always. It steps, steps out at noon on Park Avenue, and makes its way down Park Avenue from Mill Street to to about Highland Street. Um, um, it's 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 always the biggest parade of the year in Worcester. Oh yeah. Um, um, so um, yeah, yeah. In this in this in this neck of the woods. Um, you know very, very, as i said a lot of people with claim irish heritage and you don't have to be irish to enjoy the music the oh, music of not. uh music uh touches on universal themes and um there's a lot of um a lot of heartbreak in the music as well as joy
2: mm. Well, and of course, you know, Mr. Warfield has had a one of his old songs resurface on the charts recently.
1: <laughs> yeah, there, there was there was a, quite a controversy in <laughs> Ireland uh, that erupted in January. Um, the the Irish government has been um, putting on some commemorations uh, of the events that ultimately led to Irish independence in 1922. Yeah, and. Uh, I, I think the idea of the commemorations was to bring everybody together uh and i don't I don't think they had a bad intent but one of the one of the um institutions they wanted to sort of commemorate or Acknowledge historically was um, the Royal Irish Constabulary, which had been in Ireland um, um, for um, a long time when, un, under the rule of the United Kingdom. Mm. Um, but unfortunately, uh, one special force of the uh, Royal Irish uh, Constabulary was... Um, was known as the Black and Tans, and they—they uh, they, uh, apparently are uh, a rather hated group um, for their role uh, in suppressing um, the the Irish population during during the lead during. During the period from about the Easter Rising of 1916 to Irish Independence in 1922, uh, a lot of a lot, a lot of the black and tans were recruited out of the British Army out of World War One after World War One had ended. Um, uh, so anyway, um, there's an old traditional song called um, "Come Out Ye Black and Tans," <laughs> uh, which uh, uh, sounds like fighting words. Yeah, and, uh, the, and the,
2: the, not uh, subtle in uh, that and the,
1: one. Uh, <laughs> and the wolf. That had a hit with it uh, in 1972 <laughs> And uh, all of a sudden During the controversy of this commemoration Which has since been Quote, unquote, deferred <laughs> uh, um, um, The uh, Come Out Eat Black and Tans Was um, back on the airwaves And uh, reached number one On, on, on some charts In uh, both Ireland uh, and the United Kingdom
2: well, there you go. It goes to show a good song. A <laughs> good song can actually reflect a national mood very, very well.
1: Yeah, it shows how what a tinderbox that situation it can, still, can still be. I mean, uh, uh, Derek Warfield says he supports the 1998 Good Friday Agreement. Um, on the other hand, with Brexit, a lot of people are casting, in Ireland anyway, a wary eye on uh, Boris Johnson and the Prime Minister of the United Kingdom because Brexit um, could well mean that instead of the uh, border free area that's existed uh, in Ireland um, uh, under the European Union uh, the borders are going to come back again and uh, that brings with that's a whole all. a whole lot of bad associations and memories so um, uh, you know uh, politics and history I mean you should note that the wolf tones uh, it sounds like a great name for a band, but it's actually named after uh, somebody whose name was a uh, Wolf Tone, who was uh, an Irish revolutionary who did not meet uh, a happy ending uh, – during the um, failed Irish Rebellion of 1798. So it all goes back a long, long way. Um, But the music, I think, will be around for a long, long time. Indeed, and if you
2: want to hear the music, pick up um, this week's Worcester magazine and you'll see plenty of opportunities to hear things. All right, that wraps up another edition of Worcester Culture Watch. As always, our music was composed by DJ Manipulator. We'll be back soon.